In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance, business values, and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please tune in to us, listen to us live. That's every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we're on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify, just put in Leadership Beyond Borders and you will find us. I also invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to the website leadershipbeyondborders.net. And let me know what you want to hear about on this show. I'd love to get an email from you. But if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's discussion. Now, the famous management guru, Peter Drucker, said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And intuitively, we know this. We know a strong culture is needed for the overall health and competitiveness and profitability of a company. But sometimes culture does take a backseat to profits and strategy. And it really shouldn't, especially today in 2020. In 2023 and 2023, in 2023, we're posed, you know, poses interesting challenges as companies try to find talent and employees seek out companies that are, you know, looking for talent, okay? The talent, and actually talent, is really today in the driver's seat. And this new wave of talent, what are they looking for? They're looking for a thriving culture. And today we're going to speak with an expert in corporate culture, and we're going to talk about the kind of culture companies need to develop to be competitive and meet the needs of talent in 2023. Our guest today is Drew Neal, the founder of Solutionary Ventures. Solutionary Ventures grows organizations of impact through proper brand development, digital system integration, and go-to-market strategies. They're passionate about working with self-starting founders who provide meaningful products and services as solutions. Solutionary Ventures has helped over 250 companies and nearly 1,000 founders across 20 nations scale their businesses by growing employees and creating innovative solutions for their most significant challenges. With 20 plus years of experience in business growth, 
Drew is highly sought after. He is highly often international speaker with 1,000 speaking engagements, some of which attract as much as 20,000 attendees. He is also the co-developer of Digital SEL, platform for high schoolers to discover, grow, and grow their purpose. And this has been adopted by high schools in 43 U.S. states. So, Drew, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Kimberly. Honored to be here today. Okay, welcome to 2023, as I said, not 2020, okay? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, took a little time capsule backwards there. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and let's just start out kind of what got you, what got you interested in, in working on culture and company cultures and transitioning cultures? Yeah, actually, it was uh, nonprofit work that opened me up to the reality of, of how interesting and compelling human behavior is. And really understanding that there was a, a distance between how people behave and then, you know, in their everyday passion and, 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 um, and how they relate with people and then how they make money. And it seemed to be very disjointed. And so I found myself working um, in my late teens on some international projects in the nonprofit world and getting to travel and understanding that my values and my culture and the way that I perceived, you know, money and solutions in the marketplace uh, weren't translating into other people groups. And they had a different set of values. They had a different culture. And and who I preferred to present myself as was not a one-size-fits-all for people in other cultures. And so it was a very humbling experience and really opened me up to the reality that you know, pro- how we create profit needs to be serving the bias of the value of people. And mm-hmm. when we can come in with a people first mindset and build culture around people, profitability will just follow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. I mean, probably years ago, I mean, it's shifting now and I kind of want to talk about the shift a little bit. Um, but it seems like we are getting to more people-centric, but it's taking some time. And so let me ask you a question on that. Um, All of a sudden in 2020, we just kind of went through this huge change, okay? And we all kind of reflected on ourselves and we're all working virtual and virtual teams were coming in. And so you're, you know, before the pandemic, we were working in virtual teams, you know, uh, crews in India, crews in the U.S., crews here in Germany, okay? Um, but 2020 just banged us. What did 2020 do to corporate culture? Well, I really think it was, you know, it was a mirror, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. the mirror will be extremely honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, it's, and, and that's really what's happened in corporate culture is that we've had to look in the mirror and really begin to say that we have to be responsible for our culture because the the leverage and the power and the influence of the employee is only growing right now, and it will continue to grow. And a decentralization, which is really you know invading the marketplace right now, um, it it really does that. It increases the leverage, it increases the voice, it increases the earning capacity, it increases um, really the position of the employee. Uh, to really have more of a stakeholders mindset um, in the in the mission and the vision of the organization, and so 2020 was really this moment to kind of force us to deal with the gaps that we've just said we can sweep under the rug because our profit reporting each quarter was keeping our investors happy. And while you know, you know, ultimately it's this: 
if our investors are, are, are happy and our end user of our product is happy, we will do whatever it takes um, at all costs to, to create that experience, which usually means we'll step on the heads of the employees that we have. We won't take, we won't hold value for the employee that is proportionate to the value of the investor and the value of the end user. And so uh, I believe 2020 just said, we can't do that anymore. And it gave, you know, employees power to, to really understand that they want to work for meaningful companies um, who are trying to somehow, some way value humans first, and then solve a problem for them uh, to dignify their value. And, and we're wanting to see that inside of the workplace as well. And so 2020 is forcing us to deal with this dilemma. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think of 2020, and we're going to come over and talk a little bit about the the human centric and, and it's, you know, dealing with people rather than profits. But one thing comes to my mind, okay, Drew, is I remember years ago walking into a lawyer's office in London and, um, they were they were hiring for another corporate lawyer, female lawyer, and I was going in, and um, I was going through an interview process with them, and I walked in, and it was dark wood. I mean, it this whole, I just walked into this office, and it was, I said I could never work here, I could never do anything here because it just the 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 tangible things kind of told me what the culture would be. And then in 2020, we have no offices. Do you think 2020 really helped us kind of break out of the physical is not the culture, the people are the culture? Uh, I think that's a great observation. Um, Yeah, I think that's a great observation. You know, I, I think it's been very easy to let things other than people uh, try to dictate the pace and the experience of, of what human dignity will look like. And, um, you know, ultimately the agreements that we've gotten into with the workforce have really promoted this idea that we can, we can just make people happy with more money. We can try to incentivize them. We can try to, uh, you know, use scarcity tactics. There's like a lot of different strategies to yeah. try to promote the advancement of buy-in from the workforce. Um, but that doesn't build the culture that will actually sustain a company. And we know that that actually promotes a very unhealthy culture. And I'm excited to kind of dive into some of these types of cultures today because, um, you know, there there really is, uh, it's very intentional work uh, that's required to build a culture. And what people don't realize is that when they're, when they're only working out of their instincts and not working out of intention, they will instinctually build a culture that serves very short-term interests. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we become intentional about building a culture, we realize there's some fundamental pillars that we have to begin to integrate, think about, and talk about, and make very strong decisions on that can govern our behavior in the culture so we can create it. And, and I think, you know, when we realize that it is human interaction that defines the success of a culture, uh, it starts to elevate the priority of how we're going to behave in those defined relationships while working towards this higher goal. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't come into those pillars in a minute, but I just, when you, when you answered the question, kind of, I asked you or gave you an example, I was thinking of kind of a flip side of us, you know, um, mixing up tangible things like you know offices with culture like if you think about google google um when it came out with you know uh 
football tables and free lunches and everything, people were mixing up benefits for culture. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, I you think we've I think we've kind of moved away from that a little bit now after 2020. Um, do you feel that people are being we're focusing more on the people than the benefits? Well, I think there's always going to be, you know, a need for, you know, the water cooler experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the the foosball tables and the ping pong tables and some of the aesthetics and the interactions are just basically extensions of the water cooler. Right. And so there's always going to be a need to relate and to connect um, through shared experience uh, because that's valuable. But I believe that when work becomes purposeful that all of a sudden purpose becomes that extension of the water cooler because we start Mm -hmm. to realize the human value inside of the work rather than having to say, well, let's, let's create environments outside of the Mm -hmm. work focus to facilitate human interaction uh, because we've seen our work as information and our human interaction as meaningful. But what's true is that if we can change the order of human serve information to information needs to serve humans, uh, we can really start to create a much more rich experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And um, we're going to we're going to take a short break and we're going to talk about that. I want to talk to you about, you know, what does a human centric culture look like? And, um, you know, what are the pillars that leaders need to pay attention to to build one? And we'll talk about that after the break. And for our listeners today, our guest is Drew Neal, and he's the founder of Solutionary Ventures. And Solutionary Ventures has helped 250 companies and nearly 1,000 founders across scale their businesses by growing employees and creating innovative solutions for the greatest challenges. And he has over 20 years experience in business growth and is a highly sought after speaker and has done over 1,000 speaking engagements, which attracted as many as 20,000 attendees. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Solutionary Ventures, you can go to the website of drewneal.com and also on Facebook under Drew Neal Solutionary and on Instagram under Drew Neal and on LinkedIn under Drew Neal. So please go and look him up. And this podcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold trainings, conferences, do market research and legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have conferences and their next conference is being held in Berlin, Germany, May 22nd to 24th. And you can sign up for that conference under www.cinda.org. And Cinda also has an e-learning platform for founders. It's free for founders. It's the Cinda Startup Success platform where founders are taken from idea to exit through a learning process. So to learn about this platform and go sign up for the platform for no cost, you can go to www.cinda.org under Cinda Institute. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. 
Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. On the front lines of technology and business, there's a battle of survival. Behind the scenes, businesses are on a mission to keep a vigilant watch for threats in an ongoing cyber war that is affecting everyone, everywhere. The obstacles and barriers companies face today are bigger, more technologically complex, and disruptive than ever before. So when you need answers to win the battle, tune in to Cybersecurity America with your host, Joshua Nicholson. You'll learn what it's like running cybersecurity operations teams inside some of the world's largest companies. It's a cyber backstage pass and real-world advice for cyber defenders, CISOs, and security professionals. Cybersecurity America airs every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to leadership beyond borders do you have a question or comment about our show please send an email to leadership beyond borders at gmail.com again that's leadership beyond borders at gmail.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're, we're talking about culture. And um, our guest today is Drew Neal, and he's the founder of Solutionary Ventures, and he's an expert in cultures and culture transformation. And um, Drew, I, I, I have one question, okay, first. Um, let's just kind of be really simply. What, what, what does a human-centric culture look like? Yeah, well, you know, the idea of human-centered has come out of Stanford, you know, and their uh, and their program over there on uh, on problem solving inside of their their MBA program, and and there's a wonderful founder over there who has you know decided that you know when we solve problems in business that we should first understand the need of the user and really be willing to build around not just their problem but also the experience that's created for them through the product or service that we're offering that is truly sustainable. And, you know, and so there, there's a, there's a real need, you know, in the world for us to not just put out generic products and services and mm-hmm. say that this is enough simply because it was created. It it actually needs to, to serve to the dignity of the human. And especially when we're looking at international solutions uh, the types of needs are very nuanced, right? And so what this really does is human-centered as a way to problem-solve is really a, a concept. It's a framework that says we're first going to sit and understand. And then as we're going through our process of, of engineering and our process of, of designing and our process of bringing things to the market, we're going to allow the end user to, to really give us real-time feedback throughout the process to make sure that what we're creating isn't just going to make money, 
but it's also truly going to solve the problem and elevate um, their value um, as they experience the solution that we're offering. And so um, this is a uh, really a, it's a powerful breakthrough in the mindset around entrepreneurism and our key motivators for why we're developing the solutions that we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're taking that and you're you're relating that into you're taking this into a company, and um, you're you're looking at the same process that you use to to you know get something to the market and understand the user, but you want to understand your employees. So, um, you know, what could be when you start to do this? Does that kind of mindset does that maximize the human potential? in the company itself so that you can actually produce more uh, reliable or viable products? Yeah, and I think that's the exciting thing. And that is, I mean, you're, you're hitting it there quite well, Kimberly, is that, you know, we've had this mindset about the end user. We, mm-hmm. we have value on who uses our products. We also have value on who invests into our products. Um, the gap here is our employees. And mm-hmm. We and, and, you know, you think about how much money is spent to try to acquire an investor relationship or mm-hmm. how much money is spent in testing a product in the market and how much money you spend on research and marketing to acquire the user. Uh, we're, it's disproportionate, you know, to the experience with your workforce, because ultimately you're having an interaction with the same person every day, which really creates more liability and more uh, opportunity for either depth or you know inconsistency in the relationship. And so, um, I think we as people have to uh, who, who are leading companies, managers, uh, C-suite executives, we have to accept responsibility for the data that's available on our workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have to accept responsibility for the data that we're creating um, in the compass of our company, and and understand that there are people. Who um, who are a good fit from a skill set standpoint, but may not be a good fit from a culture standpoint. Mm-hmm. And when a company is intentional at defining their culture, they're really the way that you grow a great culture is by finding people who fit that culture. So it has to be defined and architect well and intentionally, so that you get people uh, who can be that fit and also bring their hard skill, their expertise, and some of those things and and ultimately, you know, companies get themselves in some real problems because uh, the the people that get promoted are basically their experts, their subject matter right. experts, the person who knows the most about their technology, the most about their process. And, and re- really, this is the gap that we're in right now is that current companies who already have a culture have a culture being led by a person who may or may not have human skill, but for sure has process, procedure, and technical mm-hmm. skill. And and so what we're needing to do is really ask the question, how can we really dignify that leader that's currently in a leadership seat? How can we identify future leaders and um, and how can we really promote a human centric culture with the data we have on our workforce and the data that we want in our future workforce? And uh, and when we bring those things together, we can make a lot of these hard decisions that will ultimately produce what we're really looking for. And um, I have one question before we, we go into how we do that, okay? Um, because when mm-hmm. you're talking about this gap, I, you know, I, and you, you use the word profitability a lot. So it's very easy for us to say, well, we're going to invest on end user customer testing this product in the market because we know once we get that right, then we're going to be profitable. But it seems like there's that mental shift 
of, well, you know, there seems to be a direct correlation for that product on the market and profitability, but not the direct correlation between investing in the employees and the profitability. Is that kind of what part of the gap here is that, you know, uh, trying to get that culture right is not always seen or related to profitability? Yeah, 100%. And I think this is part of this is just understanding how the the liability of scale, right? So mm-hmm. when you when you want to scale, obviously, there are uh, a lot of roadblocks you know, to, to get to that point. And I think companies understanding today that the size of the workforce will be smaller, uh, than, than what it was previously. And which means there's going to be more access to upper leadership and there's going to have to be much more intentionality about that leadership, um, interaction with, with subordinates and, and other stakeholders, uh, because it, it can't just be a piece of paper that's sent out, it can't just be an email yeah, exactly. that's sent out. It can't just be, you know, a four-hour training that some HR person who just got hired in two months ago leads, you know, a thousand <laughs> people on a call through. Like, they're actually people are going to have more access to leadership, which means leadership has to know what the heck they're doing. They actually mm-hmm. have to emulate this. This has to be something that's honest, authentic. It's it's palpable because people are smart today, and you mm-hmm. you, you can't. Um, you know, the, it's, you know, when, when something smells bad, everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every, ev- everybody knows. And yeah, so exactly. You, you can't, you can't Buffalo people today in this market. You can't pull the wool over people's eyes. There isn't enough money. There's so much money available now that the, the money we're paying people directly is not, cannot compete, um, to inauthentic experiences. And so, that discrepancy is something people won't tolerate. And so mm-hmm. as people get more exposure to the foundation of leadership, they want to see that authenticity through and through that we are who we say we are and mm-hmm. which is a compelling experience to offer. Yeah. And you, you, you talk about that. You talk about, you know, I mean, exactly what's going on here, but let's, how do they do it? Okay. How you talk about like four areas to pay attention to, or, or the pillars, how do you start to build that and incorporate that into the company? Well, it's, it's very difficult to go through the change management process on this stuff. There's, there's usually a lot of casualty because, there has not been proper alignment established mm-hmm. um, when the, those employees were onboarded in the first place. And so when there's an, when there's a, a vanilla culture, if you will, meaning that we have a couple of things written on a wall somewhere, but we actually behave differently than that, um, that discrepancy of one size fits all culture uh, creates room for people to really define the culture the, the way that they want to. And so you have rogue departments, rogue teams, rogue divisions, uh, in the sense that the way that they value humanity and, and the lifestyle design that's available inside of that work experience can differ from place to place. And obviously there is some room for customization. Um, values are guardrails and there's room between the values to create unique experience, but they still need to be within the guardrails. And so I think it's important for us to to realize that, you know, adjusting our culture will come at a cost. Uh, But when it comes to sustainability, if you're going to compete in the market. um, You have to pivot. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's the tired word of COVID is pivot. But 
ultimately, uh, you know, we, we've said, well, how can our products and services, uh, how does our business model pivot? How do these things, but well, your, your culture is about to have to pivot as well. And it's part of the cost of doing business right now is realizing that your employees have more leverage than they've ever had. They have more mm-hmm. expectations than they've ever had. And it is not entitlement. It's actually lifestyle design. Uh, mm-hmm. People are realizing there's a million ways to make money. And if they are going to offer their talents, they want to know that this isn't just about making money, that there's some altruism. Uh, there's, there's a desire for for dare I say, familial type experience where they want to know that there's a level of trust that they can measure. They want to know that there's a, a, an experience that's going to value who they are and make room for them to, to have a shared experience with you, not just be a follower or an observer of the experience that leadership is creating. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so as people become more intelligent, um, Emotionally, psychologically, socially, financially, uh, the the proliferation of information is democratizing the workforce, and mm-hmm. and, and it's allowing them to have a stronger voice than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know that's absolutely true. When we see, I mean, uh, especially you know the, the the generational changes of what people are looking for. And you're right. And you know, I think I said in the beginning, you know, talent is more in the driver's seat. But I have a, a question: this change management process. Okay, obviously, it's it's you know a growth process. It can be painful. It may not be painful. But how do you when you start in that process? How do you determine? you know, the difference, and I read in one of your articles between values and authentic values, okay? What, what is the difference and what role do they play as you go through this change management process? Yeah, well, you know, I really see companies as humans, and I think mm-hmm. companies are the sum total of w- whatever amount of humans you have in your workforce, which means there's going to be tendencies, there's going to be blind spots, there's going to be character traits, there's going to be a certain level of expertise uh, that's represented, and and we got to. I, I think authenticity of a company really starts with, um, you know, how they behave currently and measuring how they behave, so that we can then measure the gap between where they're currently at versus where they want to go. Um, but ultimately, mm-hmm. obviously, when we're looking at the workforce, uh, there's going to be a few experts that stick out to us. But you know, executive leadership is really the head. And where the head turns, the body will follow. And so we really got to assess what's going to be sustainable for the leadership to lead within. What's a culture they can lead? Um, do we have the right people on the bus at the executive level? Because those people have to be completely sold out for the culture and the process of change to get to where the culture is. And so I think measuring what is the sustainable culture that represents the human experience that they would be willing to lead I think is a compelling question and mm-hmm. which really comes from who do we want to be and then what are we going to do in response to our being? And I think in the tension of those two two realities, our being and our doing is an opportunity for real transformation. Okay. Yeah. And and leadership, executive leadership. I think we're going to take a short break and we'll come back. I, I want to talk a little bit about what leaders have to do and, um, you know, uh, to, to move this along and um, what they have to pay attention to in order to, to get from where they are to where they want to go. 
and we'll talk about that after the break. And our guest today is Drew Neal, the founder of Solutionary Ventures. And Solutionary Ventures has helped over 250 companies and nearly 1,000 founders across 20 nations scale their businesses by growing employees and creating innovative solutions for the most significant challenges. And Drew has over 20 years experience in business growth, and he's a highly sought after speaker with over a thousand speaking engagements, some who have attracted more than 20,000 attendees. And he is also the co-developer of a digital SEL platform for high schoolers to discover and grow their purpose, which has been adopted by high schools in 43 U.S. states. Now, if you'd like to reach out to him, you can reach out to him on his website, drewneal.com. And he's also on social media on Facebook under Drew Neal Solutionary and on Instagram under Drew Neal and on LinkedIn under Drew Neal. So please reach out to him and check out the website. He'd like to hear from you. And this podcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers on digital. Uh, They also have a learning series Thursdays at 1700 CET. And they held live conferences, and the next one is held the 22nd to 24th of May in Berlin, Germany. And Cinda also has an e-learning platform for founders, and it's in cooperation with Boss Capital for Startups. And you can go on to www.cinda.org under Cinda Institute, and all founders have free access to this learning platform, which takes a founder from idea to exit. So please go on to www.cinda.org for that. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you're looking to grow your money safely, reduce taxes and market risk, enhance returns on investments, reduce cost of borrowing, and safely create positive arbitrage, look no further than your personal bank. Your personal bank, hosted by Ference Talth is a financial concept that strategically integrates financial tools from the banking and insurance industries to continue growth on funds even when you access them for other purposes. Your personal bank, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out SayItSkillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You 
are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about culture and um you know, what kind of culture that we need to have, you know, be kind of people centric and to make companies work better here in 2023. And our guest is Neil, uh, Drew Neal, and he's the founder of Solutionary Ventures. And Solutionary Ventures has helped 250 companies and nearly 1,000 founders across 20 nations scale their businesses by growing employees and creating innovative solutions for their most significant challenges. And he's also a international speaker. And we're, we're talking to him about his views on culture and what needs to be done today. So, Drew, we, um, you know, we, we kind of left on talking about you know, how do you do this, this change management? And as I always say, you know, the fish stinks from the head, uh, old saying. Um, so it's about leadership. And you, you talked about leaders had to be engaged. Um, they have to know how to get them from where they are to where they want to be. Um, but, you know, good leadership just doesn't happen by itself. And becoming a leader doesn't happen accidentally. It takes, you know, it's intentional. So what kind of leadership are, do we need today to develop a culture, you know, what kind of, what does the leader have to be in order to try to take on this challenge and move the company? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's actually, you know, C-suites are opening up new chairs with people who literally are championing this experience and bringing this, um, you know, this endeavor of becoming more emotionally intelligent into companies. And you'll see it as, you know, chief people officer, chief purpose officer. And it really is, you know, they're representing a new type of leadership that really is the merge of, you know, our business competency and our human skill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, gone are the days where leaders will just be able to be that subject matter expert who's, you know, just ran the course out for 40 years and eventually found themselves in the seat because they, you know, kind of instinctually gained some of the, what we probably would have called political maneuvering, <laughs> maneuverings to, to keep the seat or to get to the seat. And, and that political maneuvering was obviously negotiating human relationship. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, leadership, as you said, is not something that just happens. It's something that has to be developed and be intentional on. And, you know, and so this this is really um, human skill and your ability to create positive social experience uh, with others while still advancing them and uniting them towards a goal is I believe it's just the number one demand in leadership right now. And this is really, it talks about our ability to listen, um, our ability to teach, um, our ability to appreciate, our ability to develop, our, our ability to um, enlist, um, our ability to be vulnerable and authentic, and of course, our ability to serve. And, and this is really, a, these are some of the things that start to open up this conversation of how to create a dignifying human experience um, with those that we're serving and, and may not know very well in the beginning, but um, ultimately I think great leadership is gonna start to build this trend of teams working together. Mm -hmm. And even moving from project to project, company to company, because it's no longer gonna be, you know, hey, let's go 
I want to go be a part of this project. It's now going to be, I only want to work with this team and whatever project this team takes on, I'll move with the team. And because when you find this type of skill set, you find in a leader, this is something people want to follow today. It's not about the, the, the particular outcome of the project in the sense of, is this specifically in my realm of interest? It's, you know, hey, do I love these people? <laughs> and I did say mm-hmm. the word love yep. uh, because it's, it's, it's a new word in the, in the marketplace that people are starting to use. Like, do I care about the well-being of the, of the people around me? And mm-hmm. what experience is created from that? And I will choose that over the hyper particular segmented, you know, place for my expertise to, to thrive within. And so we're forsaking a little bit of the, um, uh, of the precision of the placement of our expertise. Uh, we're forsaking a little bit of that to gain the human experience that allows our expertise to be sustainable. And so, um, when we're talking about what does it take, it's this is really about practical human skill that understands the vision of the company. It understands the, the measurements and the metrics that have to go forward for a company to be mm-hmm. sustained and yet also understands how to create a dignifying human experience um, that's not political, that is not inauthentic, that's not forced. It has to be honest. It has to be um, um, and true and uh, to the leader for it to create the experience that people are looking for, which means now we're in the business of measuring conviction, which is a very mm-hmm. subjective thing because um, how do you, how do you know if, if a leader has conviction about what they're doing and how true that that is? And, and so it's something that we're having to see over time. We're needing to see patterns or needing to see the results. And of course, um, and understand how to measure the experience that people gave previously um, and experiences they were leading before they were with us. And so um, this is uh, something that is not fast, it's slow, and it's very, very challenging because the pace and the growth of technology moves faster than the pace and the growth of humans. Mm-hmm. And so we're in this dichotomy of understanding the tension. How do we lead with humans when technology is moving faster than we can go and it is a very unique uh, situation we're in. Yeah, and and that's a, that's a really good point. It was kind of my next question on, you know, how, do we have to redefine the relationship between, um, you know, humans and technology as we go through this process? And, um, you know, how can we harness the power of technology, you know, and and use it correctly to have the most impact on a human-centric Associate, how do we mix the two together? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because as a as a child, you observe your caretaker, your parent, um, cooking on a stove, and right. and and every day you observe them having this experience with with things that are presented to them as very um, scary. <laughs> Don't touch mm-hmm. the stove. The oven is hot. Get away. <laughs> it will yeah, hurt sorry. you. And, and the narrative is that, you know, this is going to hurt you. And yet the dichotomy for the child is that the thing that will hurt them is the thing that mom and dad interact with every day. Mm-hmm. And and so it's really about governance, right? So that thing that's scary will only hurt you if it's ungoverned, uh, mm-hmm. meaning knowing how to allow that thing that's very powerful to serve the interest of your sustenance through food preparation. And so um, as, you know, as we grow in our leadership, 
uh, we're able to govern things to really serve our interests. And right now, the scary thing about technology is I don't know that it needs to get redefined. I, I think it's still waiting to get defined. <laughs> yeah. We're very, very early here, right, on this technological age. Uh, historically, I mean, we are but a blip in time of our discovery here, uh, considering what the capacity of technology is. And so we're really trying to understand how to move from it's going to get you to it can really <laughs> work for you and sustain something for you on a daily level. And and so it's it is challenging, though, because it is moving fast. And and it's and as it becomes available, it's changing the way we live. It's changing the way we work changing the way that we relate with others and it's creating opportunity and, and yet also it's you know technology is so powerful that it's very easy to, to centralize power because now you have automation working in the interests of someone that would have required a team previously can now be a, a, a central architect and so there needs to be transparency there needs to be governance on these things so that the result of what the technology produces is for the good of people. And, um, you know, there's, you know, ultimately we've come out of, you know, um, archaic ages of slavery, um, generally speaking, from age to age. We've gotten a little better with humans. And, and I really believe that ungoverned technology um, really is, you know, the same. We need to look at it like the unchecked dictator. Mm -hmm. um, technology that is not governed is power out of control, which means anyone who uh, grabs hold of it can serve their own interests through it. And when you look at algorithms and artificial intelligence, I'm, I'm, I love these things. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm for technology advancement, but when it's not governed, it does set up people who can go unchecked and have a lot of influence very, very quickly uh, with people, over people. And uh, and so we it needs to be checked and we need to define it as serving our interests, not us serving the mm. interests of technology growth. Uh, and, and, you know, there's so much going on out there right now in AI and everything that it does get scary. And you're right. The governance is I mean, I don't know what's happening in the U.S., but, you know, with chat GPT here, Italy just banned it, you know, because it wasn't governed correctly. Um, so sure. it is scary. It's hard for it's hard for leaders. But um, we're, we're getting we're getting towards towards the end of our show. So I just I want to wrap this all up, okay? Because we have a lot of we have a lot of senior leaders in there, and probably the next level management leaders. Um, and I'd like to kind of have you package this together in kind of some advice, okay? You know what? We're in turbulent times. Um, talent certainly has the driver's seat. Um, we know the new generations, if they if they don't feel they can relate to the values or the teams, they're not going to work. Um, you know, we're all looking to, to hire talent and, and talent's deciding where they're going. We're not deciding who we take. Um, how, how do we maneuver through this over the next year, uh, two years? You know, what can we do best to kind of kind of take this challenge and and really move our companies forward? Yeah, I think I think there's five things that we have to measure all at the same time and be honest mm -hmm. about where we're at in the process. And and that first thing is authenticity. I've talked about it here on the podcast already. But are are we who we say we are? And from from product experience to human experience, is there continuity and have we architected that? Um, how mm -hmm. trusting is our is is our culture? Um, how trusting are our products? You know, and what value? 
does trust have? And then within that, how, if when we lack trust, how do we build trust with other people? What's our process going to be and how we build trust one to another? There's a lot of different ways to do that. You can read up. There's all kinds of resources mm-hmm. out there, but we just have to pick one and identify and understand what that looks like, that we build trust a particular way. And when you do X, Y, and Z, trust will increase, which means opportunity comes out of that, right? Um, the yeah. third thing would be purpose. And this is a very subjective word for many, um, but I really believe that um, – what we do is a is a an experience that allows people to really see who we are, and I think people are powerful, and I think there are traits inside of humans that, uh, when aligned correctly, can really bring transformative experience to others. And when you know who you are, and you know how to translate into the function of your expertise, you can create a much more meaningful experience for others that really solves problems, brings value to others. And I think purpose is this idea that there's a cause that we're living for that is is for the benefit of others that we want mm-hmm. to build our companies around. And so are we purposeful? Is there a sense of purpose in our company? Um, impact, What it, what's the result of the end user and does that make their lives better? How do we measure the impact um, for our user? And then how do we measure the impact for our employees? Does their life get better because they work here? And then number five, sustainability, uh, which is the rage. We've been talking about it, and there's lots of things available there. But ultimately, it's going to be sustainable if we're willing to have mindful iteration, willing to live in feedback and understand the experiences that people are having and making adjustments accordingly so that we can bring that dignity of value. And so I believe if we can explore, discover, and measure – authenticity, trust, purpose, impact, and sustainability, that this is the be the beginning of our blueprint to understand the type of change we have to go after. Wow. Great, great insights and great final words. Thank you so much. It's been really interesting. And our guest today has been Drew Neal, and he's the founder of Solutionary Ventures. And Solutionary Ventures grows organizations of impact through proper brand development, digital system integration, go-to-market strategies, and they're passionate about working with self-starting founders who provide meaningful products and services solution. They have helped over 250 companies in nearly 1,000 founders in 20 nations. And if you'd like to learn more about them and learn more about Drew, please go to his website, www.drew.com. And he is also on all social media, on Facebook under Drew Neal Solutionary, and on Instagram under Drew Neal, and on LinkedIn under Drew Neal. So, Drew, thank you. Very, very insightful. Great final last words, authenticity, trust, purpose, impact, sustainability. Great things for our listeners to take away with today. Thank you so much for being here on the show today. Yeah, Kimberly, my pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for allowing me to be a part of what you're doing, and I look forward to uh, seeing people at DrewNeal.com. Okay, thank you. And uh, this show has also brought to you as Cinda, and if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org and listen to us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, and thank you for listening today. And if you miss us, we're on every major podcast platform, so just put in Leaderships by Beyond Borders and you will find us. And thank you again, and tune in again next week. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one. Hosted by Frank Hellring, we'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. If you're looking to grow your money safely, reduce taxes and market risk, enhance returns on investments, reduce cost of borrowing, and safely create positive arbitrage, look no further than your personal bank. Your personal bank, hosted by Ferentz Talf, is a financial concept that strategically integrates financial tools from the banking and insurance industries to continue growth on funds even when you access them for other purposes. Your personal bank, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 